Hey, what's up, everyone? Thanks for watching or listening, as the case may be. My name is Don Shannon. With me is... Farragut Tolt. Sina Roddy. And you're watching Showcase for the week ending Sunday, October 18th, 2020. We have a few topics uh, today. We would have more, but we kind of ran out of time for prepping with more people, unfortunately. So we're going to go ahead and do the best we can with just three of us this time. We have a slightly larger show planned for this coming week. Guys, you ready to get started? Yeah, let, let's be honest. It's, it's been a slow news week this week, honestly. That too. If we're being honest, that too. Yeah. But anyway, first order of business. This past week, we got a trailer for the new video game adaptation, Monster Hunter. Um, this is apparently supposed to be confused with the video game franchise of the same name. And... Um, <sighs> ouch <laughs> i guess is is my basic uh, reaction to it this kind of it, it it seems to me anyway to be the sort of adaptation that we really kind of didn't need at least on paper um and and plus i'm really kind of confused with the whole necessity of like interdimensional travel in this movie like why well i'm sorry i'm, I'm just getting ahead of myself here first of all what do you guys think about this about this movie you, you both saw the trailer that, that dropped last week Yep. Yeah. So yeah, it looks it looks really stupid, honestly. It's like that's what I don't know. Every time Hollywood every time Hollywood tries like taking a video game franchise and just warping it into something totally new and just like extra, it never works, honestly. It's mm -hmm. like the one thing about the Sonic the Hedgehog movie was even though they did change some things about Sonic and they changed his origin origin story and stuff like that. The reason why that movie to me worked and it did so well was because it stayed true to Sonic. Whereas right. Monster Hunter doesn't make any sense because like those times it's like a it's like a weird like Monster Hunter looks like it looks like a like a weird mixture of like medieval or not medieval, but it looks like like prehistoric. It, it has like a real like kind of like prehistoric like era type feel to it, but more advanced. It so feels it like it reminds me of. Do you remember this movie that came out in the early two thousands called Reign of Fire? Yeah, where like a bunch of soldiers had to fight a bunch of dragons. I think McConaughey was in that. Yeah, it, it, that's just it's just so freaking weird. Like I understand that doing it because Reign of Fire or whatever like that 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 was a a new like IP or that was like a new idea. But mm. Monster Hunter has this like established universe that would make that would make for a fantastic movie. They didn't have to, I like, I, we really don't need freaking T.I. as a, like, okay, he has a great <laughs> actor, but T.I. as a soldier fighting Rathalos, this just is so random. It's just, I don't know what, how they came up with this idea. I mean, do... somebody played the original video games, and I guess, apparently enough, people thought it was a good idea. I don't know. Um, so yeah. what, what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> I was going to say, I think T.I. is going to save the day. Um he's pretty serious i think you know maybe yeah he has certain roles you know but i think he's he's a pretty serious guy so i think he's fit for this and the animations i mean they're amazing not just not just the new gun that they have or the new monster but really just they have the like different, the, the different the different creature species that they encounter in this film you mean right yeah there's a lot of them yeah mm -hmm what i meant to say was also like just the scenery of it is amazing um i'm sure 
they're in the middle of nothing. They're, you know, they're probably just in a green, green room, but you know, you got, you got to, you got to give them credit, you know, for what the yeah, animation, the 3D rendering, the, the lighting artists, what they do. Yeah, the technology for for telling for making this kind of movie has obviously made leaps and bounds worth of improvements since uh, since the early two thousands when when the last time this kind of movie came out uh, that we're talking about here. But it, it's the problem that we're really kind of talking about here isn't so much the technology so much as the 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 choice of story and the execution of story. I think yeah, like the like the, the direction the here. I understand. Yeah, it's what's her name again? Mila. What? Well, like what's her last name? Jovovich, I think it's how it's Jovovich. pronounced. Yeah, it's nice to see her with another Capcom IP, though. Like, that's funny, but... Yeah, that's right. Resident Evil he was, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's funny. It's just, it's just this not... I don't think this is the right direction to take the movie. Because, first of all, if you wanted to make an army movie, just make an original army movie. When you have the Monster Hunter name, you know, you will be drawing in like fans of the Monster Hunter series. But the Monster Hunter series don't want to see freaking army guys shooting guns at like a Rathalos or whatever like that. They want they want to see, you know, monster like Monster Hunter with these big epic swords and they want to see people crafting stuff. And they want to see people fighting these big monsters al alongside their cute little cat sidekick. Especially, That's the appeal of Monster Hunter, not this whatever nonsense we're looking at. Especially, and, and I like the way that you made that point, especially when you factor in the fact that we've seen this kind of movie play out before, and it didn't work well the last time either, where you have uh, this, this, this alien species coming into contact with, with military soldiers, one of whom played by a famous musician or rapper of some sort, and we're supposed to take this seriously as a movie. I mean, last time I checked, Battleship didn't go all that well. And it yeah. wasn't entirely Rihanna's fault. But it's like, you know, actually, I don't think it was her at all, necessarily. It was just basically, here again, another issue of like, this does not need to be adapted in that way. Um, yeah, exactly. But anyway. It's wild. Monster Hunter could have been a fantastic movie. And they would have just did, and they would have just adapted it right. Which makes no freaking sense. So, what is the right way to adapt it then, Thurgood? A faithful adaption to the games, because so much crazy stuff. Are like I'm not even a big Monster Hunter fan, but I'm familiar with it. I've tried the games out, and you know I've seen, I've watched videos of it. What about the oh, anime? Do you like remember that. the anime that was based on Monster Hunter? Oh, I, did, I didn't get to that? watch that. I never watched that. I never watched the anime, but I do want to see that because hmm. it's like the thing with the, the thing with like okay, look, we do it. Look, honestly. To be real though, Mega Man and Ryu from Street Fighter are DLC and Monster Hunter games. They are DLC and Monster Hunter games. Don't get me wrong. I think I think Saw Snake is a DLC in there too. I'm not sure, but that's DLC. We're talking about a movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you're adapting, like for example, if they're making a Mortal Kombat movie, even though Rambo is a DLC character, you're not going to see Rambo in the new Mortal Kombat. They're gonna be they, like a good video game movie should be faithful to the source at least. Well, but that's kind of the risk that you run when you're dealing with an IP that is kind of designed to be to have to have a human element to it. You know, you yeah. kind of have to. The, the implication is that you should do it with human beings, and just the reality is that not every IP necessarily lends itself to be adapted in a live action context. You have to kind of go all the way with CGI 
or kind of let sleeping dogs lie. And where's the fun in that, I suppose? I'm not playing devil's yeah. advocate here by any <laughs> of the imagination. Don't get me twisted here. But it, it's, I mean, and I'll give it a fair chance, you know, once more footage comes out and, you know, maybe even once the movie comes out, but that's just me personally. Yeah. I, I, I just I just really had higher hopes for um, for Hollywood in general. You know, it's been a lot of years, like I said, since, Battlefield, since Battleship came out, but it's, it's, uh, I don't, I don't know. Well, you, you want to know what movie did this too? The Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh God! And that's, and, all right, let's, move on, let's move yeah. on. <laughs> let's move this on. This is like a repeat of that, but that was bad. Let's move on. We have some news about uh, the recent acquisitions that Microsoft has been making, sort of like under its Game Studios umbrella, and the style with which it has allowed the uh, these 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 new subsidiary companies to sort of continue on their own. Uh, their own development cycles relatively autonomously and independently from Microsoft uh, without having Microsoft just constantly micromanaging what these what these studios are doing. Um, we got a lot more information about that. Well, I'm not going to say a lot more. We got some more information about that this and how that works this past week. And I like the way that they're doing that. I, I, I'm going to plus one that. Um, it, it's, it's really comforting to see that these that big, gigantic, multi-billion dollar conglomerations, when they absorb smaller studios, it's possible to just have them under the umbrella without sort of like getting all Spotify about it necessarily. You know, most famously, like when Spotify acquired Rogan's podcast, um, and, and there were a bunch of um, podcast episodes that were missing from his library after the move to Spotify. There was a big controversy about that recently as far as this instance, as far as Microsoft and its and its studios, we have to see in the long run how they stick to this, especially considering it's really tempting for Microsoft to turn into Activision and basically mandate that its uh, subsidiary companies put in a bunch of microtransaction-laden roadmaps down the line, you know, and, and trying to get more money out of people to help justify the multi-billion dollar investments that Microsoft has been putting in just to be able to acquire all these studios. At least that's what comes to my mind as far as where cautious optimism comes into play. What do you guys think about this? Yeah, it's like they were talking, they were talking to Phil Spencer. So I was interviewing Phil Spencer and they asked them like, hey, a lot of fans have been asking about the Banjo and Kazooie series and the Conquer series. Both of which done by Rare, acquired by Microsoft. Yep. And Phil Spencer pretty much said that we, yeah, we see that we see the request for old, like Xbox for old Microsoft franchises to come back. And he mentioned them, and then he mentioned also Blinks the Time Sweeper for those who remember. And the, when the Xbox first came out, Blinks was supposed to be like Microsoft's answer to Sonic and Mario. But you know, the games just were never really that successful. So the franchise pretty much kind of died off. But Phil Spencer, like Don said, he said Microsoft likes to have this little hands-off approach where they let their developers make the, the they let their developers make the projects they want to make. They don't force them, you know, to make like it's not like Microsoft doesn't go up to the, like Rare and say, "Hey, we want you to make a new Banjo and Kazooie pronto." They just let them. They step back, and Phil Spencer pretty much said that hey, even though it would be great to see a new Banjo Kazooie and Conquer, Rare is already busy with Sea of Thieves and Everwild, their new game that's coming out for the Series X. And he said, he said also Rare likes to do new things. 
Rare as a company has always been the type that they will they like to make new pro like even though Rare has done a bunch of sequels in the back back in the day, they also like to do new and creative things. They like to push the envelope next. So I'm my guess is the reason why we haven't seen a new Banjo Kazooie is because they probably don't know what they we probably haven't seen a Banjo three yet, as it was going to be called. But before it got canceled, like well, they, to be, hold on, I have to stop uh, you there. For technically, because we did get nuts and bolts many years ago. So. Nah, but yeah, what, what I'm talking about, no, what I'm talking about though, because nuts and bolts is like a different thing. But we didn't get that three E. Like three E was supposed to be like a like a, a three E was supposed to be like a like a a direct sequel to two E. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even think honestly nuts and bolts. They said I don't. I think nuts and bolts didn't even start off as a banjo game at first, but then they like put banjo on it, and then they just built it around it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but so a lot of people, including myself, were like, "Yo, where's in that? Where is where are rare's old IPs at?" Mm-hmm. And you know, Microsoft pretty much, which I like. I really like how Microsoft does this. Because when you have the developers making projects they want to make, you know, you go get some really good projects most of the time. Mm-hmm. I just think that Rare should take their old IPs and just let other just let other people like Platonic Games. They should let people like other developers like make new banjo games. But I really like what Microsoft does. My, I'm really Microsoft, like from what Phil Spencer, every time I hear him talk, it seems like he's He's trying to create a really positive environment around Microsoft and around Xbox Game Studios, and I really like that. Dino, what's your stance on this? Uh, see, you guys were talking about the developer aspect of it, and you know that that has to do a lot with what what happens at the end, who has to say. Um, but really, at the end of the day, the people that are paying for it, they're the ones that have to say. So I know that they're going to honor their previous deals with PS5, but from now on, they're going to have to decide whether they want to make them Xbox ex- exclusive or not. And they're saying, yeah, of course, we don't want people to, we want people to play our game more. Um, so they're probably going to see if they want to release it on Xbox Game Pass or maybe a different price. Because they're already gonna, you know, for they're gonna already release it full price. So let's see how different. Let's see if they up the price. So, but what about the other side of this? Like, is there any potential, I guess, PR blowback from this? Like, could this be perceived by Microsoft's player base as as essentially fighting fire with fire? Because Microsoft has a bunch of has this massive wallet to be able to throw around acquiring studios and potentially like putting contractual obligations to make day and date uh, timed exclusive DLCs for Microsoft in the same way that Sony has been so famously keeping DLC content away from Microsoft for years. I mean, is this, like I was saying, is this fire with fire and really could this backfire for Microsoft if that is what they're doing? Sina, what do you think? I think it's going to actually make the users a lot more engaged um, because you know they're going to be working together, so uh, the users are not going to wait for it to come out on one of them. You know, it might just be uh, same dates, same release dates for both consoles. And I, to be honest, I think um, the users are they might even enjoy this more. It's uh, you know competition will still be there, but I believe that they're going to even work together more, making new deals regarding you know 
who has the authority of having which game because obviously Microsoft wants people to play their games more. So I don't see a reason for them to put all their games just on Xbox. That that's, you know, that would they just spent seven and a half billion. And, you know, maybe they could they could get away with one game being only on on Xbox, but mm-hmm. definitely they gotta make that money back. <laughs> especially considering that I, I hear where you're coming from with that, especially when you consider the fact that every time that Microsoft publishes a game from one of these acquired studios, they are really kind of putting it in their hands that they know what they're doing in the short and long term, especially in in this age of not just microtransactions, but DLC roadmaps. I mean, I'm pretty sure Sony is still licking their wounds over what happened with the Avengers game, promising that, you know, uh, Spider-Man was this massive console exclusive and, you know, the Avengers game plays best on PlayStation. But I mean, the, all the all this precious DLC still hasn't come out yet for that game. It's still kind of hard to play that game without this DLC to kind of expand the the game past the point where it is now. They really shouldn't have made that game as a as 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 a live service loot loot based game that it kind of mutated into. And I say that as someone who actually owns a copy of this game, I've done it. It's like I wanted so much more for this game and it's like here we are you know i think we've touched on that a little bit briefly recently anyway so i don't want to go too far into that but um Thurgood, do you have any final thoughts on this before we move on to the next topic yeah it's like what casino has a good point also about how he say how he how he thinks that x like microsoft's not just going to keep all of their games on microsoft consoles because there's a precedence for this they they like microsoft's already been taking their exclusive games and I've been putting it on other, like, on other, you know, platforms that we would have never thought there would be on. Like, if you would have said that 10 years ago, we would have never thought that Xbox games would be on the on a Nintendo console. Now you have Xbox Game Studio games on the Switch. Mm-hmm. You can play and, and stuff like that. It's just, it's crazy. You have, like, you have, like, Halo. Halo's on Steam. It's like yeah. like what Cena was saying, like like they they want that money. So I don't. So what when a lot of like PlayStation fans that are worried about the whole Bethesda, the whole Microsoft owning Bethesda thing, I mm-hmm. I'm sure we're still going to see Fallout and Doom and them mm-hmm. on PlayStation. I just think that maybe we're going to see exclusive Xbox content, like exclusive mm-hmm. like the Bethesda's games on the Microsoft console. You know, maybe the superior version because it has exclusive content. Or maybe it may be a timed exclusive, and I'm yeah. not gonna feel bad. I'm not gonna feel bad for Sony fans because this Sony's been doing this mess for like the last two generations. Thank you. I was just saying that. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I think, like honestly, I just, I really like, I really like what Microsoft's doing. It's like, even though I still, I need them. I really want to see a killer app from them, honestly, because I think Sony, Sony to me is doing a better job than Microsoft showing off like showing off why we should get a PS5 versus an Xbox Series X. But I really like a lot of the stuff they're doing. I like Game Pass. I like a lot of the stuff that they're doing with with Xbox. And I think, and the thing with Game Pass is you can go up there, pay for Game Pass for a cheap price, try these games out. Hey, if I like the game, I'm just going to buy it. 
Yeah, but that only that only works out in the long run. So long as the actual games that people would actually invest in Game Pass for in the long term, so long as those games are actually around long enough to justify that investment. I mean, there is a subset of Game Pass Ultimate members who are still licking their wounds over the fact that Red Dead Redemption Two was only available on that service for four months, and it's just gone now. You know, so it's like Netflix. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, like, you have games that show up is, in rotation. What was that? My thing also with Game Pass is, hey, if you like the game, even if they take the game off of Game Pass, you can just buy it because, because you don't. And have, it feels like, like buying a game twice. I'm sorry to cut you off, but it's like it's like buying a game twice. You had the game that was right, right. there in the subscription you're already paying for, and then they take it away. Right. You have to go buy it again. It's like yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like, look, look, look at it like this. It's better than what Nintendo does. Nintendo remade a freaking Game Boy game for 60 bucks. No demo or anything. You just go out to pay 60 bucks for that game. And if you don't like the game, guess what? You just wasted 60 bucks on that game. Whereas with Xbox Game Pass, even though I personally prefer to own my games physically, I can pay for this service, try out all of these games for that price. How much is Game Pass again? 25. Okay, for so for like 20. Okay, so for like twenty five bucks, I can go up per and, month, and, right, Cena? Actually, it starts at ten and then up to fifteen or twenty five bucks. Yeah, per so month, that's, of course. Okay, so for all the games that Game Pass offers you, I can pay that, try out all these games I want, and see which games I okay. If mm-hmm. I, for example, with with Doom Eternal coming to Game Pass. Okay, instead of me like paying sixty bucks for a game that I'm gonna play, say that I hate that I don't like Doom Eternal. That I play the game, I don't like it. I wasted sixty bucks for nothing, whereas I paid this amount of money for Game Pass, which is a lot cheaper. I can try out Doom Eternal. Okay, I don't like it, so I won't buy it. I can also try all these other games. I can't agree with anybody more than with Thurgood. Um, that's the exact reason I've never bought a single game in my life. <laughs> Look, I, I personally I buy games because I like to collect. I like collection. I like owning games. But yeah, I, think I like Game Pass because like yeah, like cool that, to collect like, them. Yeah, yeah. And then a lot of people also we're in that day and age now that most people just rent games anyways because they they play right. the campaign and just they yeah. will sell it back. Even though I'm I'm a game collector, I don't sell my games. But most people aren't like me. Most people are going to buy a game. They're going to play through the campaign. And then they go get bored of it, and then they go rent, then they go sell the game back, or they go rent, but they go t- return the yeah. game, or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. Which is Dude. where businesses like GameFly come into play, where you just yeah. have like right. you just have the physical copies showing up constantly, or you can just stream it right to your console, which is obviously just basically the same thing that we have, you know, Game Pass for over on Xbox or PlayStation Now would give you the same sort of thing. I'm sure, like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Cena. There's like there's a similar sort of system that Steam has going anyway, too, right? Right, yeah, they have for yeah. a long time. Yeah, so like the options are there, but in terms of ownership, in terms of ownership of content, it really still feels like from a from the consumer standpoint, it still feels like in 2020, we're doing a lot of Russian roulette right now it, it, when it comes to actually getting value for your investment because you just don't know what kind of game you're getting in the short term or how it's going to be supported in the long-term post-game. It's, it's, it's it's really sad that we're still kind of spinning our wheels in that sense. Hopefully we'll be able to reach some semblance of, of an evolutionary, of evolutionary step forward in that sense. Yeah. Um, and, and you then, know, I can see why they're, you know, they got to make their money. 
but you know we can sort of make it in my opinion we could sort of make it like uh leasing a car so if you do end up paying a hundred bucks so if you if you pay a whole year for your subscription and you, you you get to choose like two games or three games so you can get physical copies of that game for cheaper through game pass forever mm-hmm. you know but that probably won't happen probably won't lease them out and then have them pay until you know it's paid off because everything you got to buy cash yeah whatever whatever brings in more <laughs> money for the for the right. uh, for the publisher i suppose yep there's a few websites that you can rent games like definitely more than a couple yeah well people usually know gamefly is like the biggest one yeah because that was advertising yeah yeah i mean hell i had gamefly like 10 years ago (laughs) for like a hot minute they were that old okay oh yeah they started in like i think 2004 yeah i was a kid yeah i was a kid when like that first good for them okay grandpa yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in our top topic this week, uh, Matt Grossman and Alexander Gladstone ran a piece this past week in the Wall Street Journal that was talking about, um, hang on one second, I'll go ahead and pull this up here. Here it is. Uh, theater chain AMC says it could run out of cash by year end. Attendance is down about 85% on a same theater basis from last year since reopening began company says okay so this is basically in reaction to you know all the the theater chains that have been losing lots and lots of money over ever since uh the coronavirus pandemic started you know we have had a lot of businesses shut down especially mom and pop stores basically having to close down permanently and some theater chains have been getting hit hard to the tune of multiple millions of dollars and amc in particular had started an interesting program recently where they're able to rent out whole theaters to like individual families for like $99 a day or something like that. Um, just to be able to, just to be able to stay afloat, frankly, like they're having to really come up with outside the box solutions to keep from closing down the whole rest of the way. Uh, this Wall Street Journal story goes on to say, uh, let me see, here it is. Theater executives have said it makes little sense to roll out new releases with theaters closed in New York City and Los Angeles, which have some of the country's top performing locations. <clears throat> AMC chief executive Adam Aaron said this past Friday, uh, quote, the whole movie industry is waiting for New York to reopen. When New York reopens, that's when studios will release movies again. The future of this entire industry is now in the hands of the governor, Andrew Cuomo, uh, New York's governor, uh, end quote, sorry. Uh, a spokeswoman for um, for Governor Cuomo said the state is concerned about theaters because they involve large groups spending extended time together indoors, as well as lobby congestion when customers arrive and leave. Now that makes sense, uh, but it's like, holy crap! This is this is where we're at now, as far as like people are really kind of ringing the the final death knell. It feels like for for theaters as an ex- as not just a social experience, but as a leisure activity. You know, because more and more movies are being released direct to consumers, like, like through digital on-demand platforms, rent-to-own platforms like Vudu or Movies Anywhere, to say nothing of these new streaming platforms that some of the studios are able to put out themselves to go to, to go directly to the consumers, like, um, you know, Disney Plus and HBO Max just launched uh, earlier this year. Um, I mean, there's, there's all these different distribution models that can sidestep the theater as a delivery mechanism to the consumer, and it's 
it's it's good for the companies. It's good for the 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 studios. Obviously, it's good for the 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 the, the film publishers, the film studios, and stuff like that. But as far as the theaters, they're getting the short end of the stick, and they have been basically all year. So I guess uh, let me just open this up to you guys. Like, can theaters recover from COVID? And like, is at least what AMC doing a step in the right direction of adapting to the new normal here? And I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm actually kind of worried for theaters, honestly, because with this new because if you think about it now with the like with disney plus putting their movies like how did they with mulan you pay for disney plus and then you have to then they charge 30 freaking dollars oh god go please no, don't talk about premium treatment. access oh god please don't talk about yeah. premium <laughs> nah, that may be the future that may be the future more people oh, may god. like more apologies may do that and i'm scared because if that happens a lot even though going to the movies like going to the movies that's a special experience that is very hard to replicate right. in your home but a lot of people might maybe like why go out to the theaters where i could just watch this in my house so it depends so whether or not the theater dies or not depends on if enough people treasure that theater experience because that's what that's what theaters are getting that's what theaters provide honestly the main draw of theaters besides watching the movie, because let's be real, if people wanted to see the movie, and I don't condone this, but if people want to see the movie, they can just pirate the movie when it's out in theaters or whatever like that. But people like me, people like me and many other people, I loved, I loved in college going to the movies with my friends to go catch, to go see like the newest movie. Nice. I, used to, I, was like, I used to see all the newest MCU movies. I saw Batman versus Superman with my friends. On uh, Friday night in the theater, that movie was garbage, but hey, it was fun laughing at it with my friends. It's the but experience maybe, of it. I'm so glad you said that. It's the social yeah. experience that's really missing, and that people are really uh, yearning for now more than ever. It's just the eco- the economic realities of where we're at right now just doesn't really allow people. The economic and social realities, health realities of where we're at now, just aren't conducive to 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 having that experience, let alone being able to share that with friends with family with with uh, fellow moviegoers fellow fans you know it's that social experience that that ability to connect you know people are really missing that right now and and like you have people who are really hurting in that sense as far as being able to connect with others and now you have the theaters who are bearing the brunt of this from an economic perspective yeah I'm uh, Sina. What's your stance on this? Like, are we are we going back to a, a new normal? Um, are, are, sorry, are we recovering to a version of the old normal um, at any point in the foreseeable future? I don't or think. Like our, I don't think we, we could even try uh, to say if we are or not yet because we don't know. You know, this is not the final outcome of COVID. So things could change, and we could say, okay, we're we're adapting, but then we have to adapt again. So um, I, I understand, you know, why they're doing this. Um, they have gone down 22% and how much they're worth. Um, they're worth like 940. They were worth like 1.2. And just in less than a year, I mean, that's a lot. Um, 1.2, so in 1.2 like two billion? years, that would just be worth zero. Three years would be worth like 200, you know, they would have to definitely bankrupt. But um, wait, 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 uh, what you guys 1.2, you said, you said AMC was worth 1.2 billion? Yeah, last year. Now it's nine forty-one. Ouch! Yeah, that that's that's a lot of loss in the span of a year, um, less than a year. Um, 
yeah yeah and yeah if that goes on for two years three years they're they have they literally come down to zero so i understand why they're doing this and you guys were talking about um exclusive content or premium content so i think this is where they could actually save themselves i remember i came i was flying from overseas to here uh, through virgin atlantic and there's you know there's all these airlines but virgin atlantic at the time they were really cool they had the little tvs for for the economy class because usually that's like for the for the first class so i remember i watched the movie 300 about two months before it came out a month at least over two months before it came out oh yeah. so i i mean i know i know it's pretty hard to just get a leaked version of the movie or an unfinal version of it but um you know they could perhaps create a different cut for these movie theaters to stream it at a higher price than what netflix would do that's good so long oh, yeah, yeah. As... oh my bad Th third good go ahead Oh, my, my, my bad, Don. Yeah, so Don, Cena, you have a point. So, they, they, like, like, like Cena was saying, these movies could come out before they come out on streaming. So, you would be, so it would incentivize going out to the theaters to catch the movie first. That, that, that too, yeah. Well, we still won't get, you know, you know, the whole vibe, the whole atmosphere, and, you know, that's, that's irreplaceable. Um, but still, I don't think I don't think what AMC is doing is even close to replacing that vibe. Yeah, they're trying to bring us back here, but um, I've read that it actually excludes New York. So this deal, the hundred dollar deal, um, Don, it it excludes Hawaii, Alaska. Well, not too many people in Alaska, uh, but New York. So, you know, like everything is dependent on mostly even more so New York than LA. Um, so, and here's the thing, and they even charge you like 250 if you don't, if not all the 19 people or the 20 people, which is only limited to 20 per group for per event. If you don't go in there within 15 minutes, they charge you 250 extra. And you could, they could even charge you a hundred dollars if you just want your name shouted out through a microphone. So I, I, I honestly don't think this is the solution. I think they're just trying to do something, but wait, they are wait, wait, on the wait, right hold track. On. Stop, stop, wait, back up, back up. So you're okay. So your, your theater party, you're, you're being charged a hundred dollars. And if you're late past a certain threshold, they charge you 250 extra, not a hundred, 250. That's crazy. Yeah. So you yeah, would think I'm they charge you like 50 bucks, you know, like a, as a late fee, 20 bucks per minute. But literally, it says 50 after 15 minutes, 250 bucks. Uh, okay. And and what's this about like announcing your name over the, the megaphone or something? Oh, yeah. So they, they could kind of shout you out with the microphone if you give them another hundred. <laughs> they lost their dang on minds. That's if they gonna... think I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah, who's gonna do that? What's what kind of that? That's not right. that's not a sound investment. There's no there's nobody that even there. One. It's just you and your friends. <laughs> no, you know you know it's gonna stink. You know I can see what happened. I can see this like the, some some dudes like some poor father's spoiled daughter, spoiled daughter <laughs> some sort of being a super like, sixteen hey, sort of situation. A hey, super Dad, can you please? I want to hear my name on the yeah. announce. I want to hear my name. Yeah. And the last thing I was going to say regarding this, I think they are, they are, you know, having plans and they're going the right way because they have actually trademarked a new 
name for their auditoriums. It's called AMC Safe and Clean. Oh, God. Because a <laughs> brand is all you need. See, that's, that's another thing I was going to bring up <laughs> earlier, is it's not so much that uh, that people don't want to go to the theater so much as people are feeling like they kind of can't slash shouldn't during this pandemic. Otherwise, people would still be going to the theaters. You know, it, it's 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 just not that kind of a it's just not that kind of an economy. It's not that kind of a, a health environment right now, and it's it's not it's not that kind of social culture right now. And yeah. because so much of the immediate future is such a question mark. You know, it's it's it feels like when when that is positioned as as the as the question uh, surrounding why things are this way, people just don't want to go to the theater. Like, I feel like we're really missing the ball as far as the truth behind why people aren't there, why butts are not in seats right now. You know, people just don't at least not enough people feel like they can or should not so much that they don't want to. At least I would think. And honestly, I think this could actually be taken advantage. Of. I know yeah. my superhero name. My superhero name could be Base Boy. Base Boy. Yeah. B a s s. Because yeah, it's dealing. It's dealing with you know. Yeah, it's dealing with my since a microphone. Since my superhero's microphone. Ah. Okay. So then, would your sidekick be like Mr. Trouble or something? Like what would? Troublemaker. Troublemaker! Oh my god, there it is! <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. And that concludes this particular episode of Showcase. This was for the week ending Sunday, October 18th, 2020. Thanks so much for watching or listening. Don't forget to hit us up on uh, on our YouTube channel or um, on IG at, uh, at Weekend Showcase. Or um, the podcast we have is on anchor.fm slash Weekend Showcase or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, if you're listening to this, you probably already know that, but we kind of have to put the tag in here. You know how it is. Um, anyway, like I was saying, thanks so much for listening. And um, I'm Don Shannon. With me this week was Thurgood Toll and Cena Roddy. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, guys, for, for being with me this week. And uh, once again, thanks to you at home for, for watching and listening. And um, be safe out there. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Later. And okay, let's do one more version of the intro while we have like we have seven minutes left. Um, Are you meeting your client right now soon after uh, this? Are you meeting your client soon? Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Um. Yeah. Yeah. This is um. Yeah. There's just one more thing I gotta take. I gotta take care of though before I go ahead and do that. Uh, we need another version of the intro. I forgot to include the bit with um. Uh. You know, like, share, and subscribe you know, oh, the YouTube version. Yeah. I forgot to do that in the beginning. All right. Um, it's, uh, hang on. I got to move this. I got to get this back over to the original thing. So do you think oh. we could, um, I know, I know we're about to do this, but uh, let me know. We can meet tonight. We'll talk tomorrow regarding the website. I'm really excited about it. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, Thurgood Cena was talking about uh, some advancements to the website. He's been putting in a bunch of work on the, on building the website up. Yeah. For, uh, for weekendshowcase.net and I think I think you're gonna like how this turns out too because yeah we've been we've been working on this but anyway well mostly seen has been working on this but <laughs> I'm enjoying it bro I'm enjoying it thanks for allowing me uh, thank you 
But uh, anyway, all right, let's go ahead and um, let's go ahead and do this take two for the intro on the count of three. One, two. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in, uh, watching or listening, as the case may be. This is Showcase for the week ending uh, Sunday, October 18th, 2020. My name is Don Shannon. With me today are... Thurgood Toll. And Sina Roddy. And uh, hit us up on Anchor, uh, anchor.fm slash Weekend Showcase for podcast, full podcast episodes. And don't forget, we're on IG with all sorts of interesting deleted and extended scenes from uh, this podcast and several other pieces of content that we've been putting out. You're going to want to follow us there, too, at Weekend Showcase. 